Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Sweet Potato Sauron to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the appeal to common folk. So the appeal to common folk is basically pretending that you are like the people you're talking to, or put, pre- assuming the people you're talking to are common folk, are, are just kind of regular people. So trying to get them on your side, really, in the absence of making an argument, by just saying, you're like, look, I'm like you, we're all the same, I'm just like you, you, should, yeah. you should think yeah. the same way as I do because I'm basically the same as you, and that would yeah. make sense. And you, so. and you should support me, and I will uphold your desires because i know what they yeah. are yeah because i am i am yeah. you i'm the same as you so yeah yeah i will champion your cause <laughs> because your cause is my cause absolutely yeah, yeah I, I, I literally just thought of another example we could have used in fallacy in the wild this week but but we we haven't but it's uh the for a while at least oprah's theme tune was i'm every woman which oh yeah uh, there you I go mean, nice yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. is <laughs> but yeah and hannah montana i think there was a Miley Cyrus as Hannah Montana had a song called I'm Just an Ordinary Girl. Uh-huh. And you go, well, plainly you're not because <laughs> your dad is Billy Ray Cyrus and you're on the telly, uh-huh. you know, so, and you've got a song out. Yeah. So it's yeah. that kind of thing. It's yeah. it's just people who are uh, in some way not like us saying, oh, I'm just like you. <laughs> so uh, Trump is, is a <laughs> really good example of this because mm. despite being a, a you know billionaire who who received over 400 million dollars in loans from his father or money from his father inheritance uh over the yeah. course of his life yeah. still claims to be like like everyone else and like you know just a kind of self-made businessman and in fact yeah. at one point when he was talking to some blue-collar workers he said this i'm proud that i've always treated the blue-collar worker and I consider myself in a certain way to be a blue-collar worker, that make this country run with tremendous respect. So he considers himself so what, what certain, to be, what, in, in a certain, certain ways, yeah. In some in of certain, his suits have yeah. blue collars, I expect. <laughs> blue collars on them. Yeah, some of the some of the, the $900 Italian <laughs> shirts uh-huh. that he wears have probably got blue collars. Yeah. You go, well... In a certain way, and they don't, and nobody called, nobody questions it. They all just go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just like us, <laughs> you're one of us, yeah, as a, in his gold hard hat, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. thing is, I think partly for Trump, where this comes from is um, his hatred of the real elites, the the people who are actually right. running stuff and in charge of stuff, because. Um, does he does he only hate them because they are actually in charge of stuff and running stuff? I think he, is... he hates them because he would love to be part of that society and, and they won't let him in because right. they realise yeah. that he's this awful, awful person. This this gauche, <laughs> yeah. kind of nouveau riche, yeah, yeah. inherited money yeah, person yeah, yeah. who doesn't understand the, the yeah. value of anything. Um, 
and yep. and so they you Got know everything so when yep. he bought uh, Mar-a-Lago um, there was a kind yep. of a group of local hoteliers uh, there who were kind of you know important and rich and they wouldn't let him join their group and and he was like <laughs> bastards it's complete shit i should be allowed to and then years later he was saying you know i don't even want to be part of their group i've got my own hotel and it's brilliant um and the same in the new yeah. york real estate business basically no one admires him at all in the industry um they all think he's a piece of shit um but he desperately wants to be kind of part of the gang part of the, it's like the the world leaders yeah, the, yeah you know he wants to be like them he wants to especially the the kind of strong men but but they're just kind of oh what a fucking idiot this guy is um and so because <laughs> well it's that kind of desperate <laughs> thing well and it's kind of you know even unto eric yeah is um you know the same way you know, yeah it's probably because trump was he was desperately desperate to be admired and respected by his dad and uh and who doesn't mm. and then consequently he's trying to do that with everybody else and he just comes across as too needy yeah. and too sh- shortcutty he's bl- like buying his way into <laughs> these elite clubs or yeah. um, into somebody's affection but he then kind of funnels yeah. that oh. into this this hatred of the the upper echelons of society yeah. which yeah. then kind of gives him an in with the working the, the working class poor who feel hard done by and feel like they should. Um, and I'm not saying yeah. all the working pl- class poor feel like that. I'm saying the ones who do feel like that um, see a, an ally in him of, you know. Despite the fact that he's one of the people that... Yeah. It's, that he he's, his, it's his foot on that their he, neck. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's up to disdain for them. Yeah. And, you know, and, except in certain respects, when it comes to elections, yeah. I'm a blue-collar worker. Yeah. yeah. Or, rather than kind of bringing himself down to what he might see as their level, he tries to kind of raise his crowd yeah. up to, uh, to what right. he would see as his level, which is uh, what happened here. I meet these people. They call them the elite. These people... I look at him, I say, that's elite. We got more money, we got more brains, we got better houses, apartments, we got nicer boats, we're smarter than they are. And they say, the elite, we're the elite, you're the elite. We're the elite. So I said the other day, let's keep calling these people. And look, let's face it, they've been stone cold losers, the elite, the elite. So let's let them keep calling themselves the elite. But we're going to call ourselves, and remember, you are indeed, you work harder, but you are indeed smarter than them. Let's call ourselves from now on the super elite. We're the super elite. We are the super elite. So there's this weird kind of dichotomy of hating the people at the top and saying, but actually we're the ones at the top. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're more elite than but they are. A, but but elitism is and bad. Also, they've got <laughs> yeah, but we're but exactly yeah, but yeah. Some people are more elite than others. Yeah, yeah. They're elite bad. Our elite good. Yeah. And the, and the thing is that actually, in some respects, he is a blue collar worker. Like when he hosted that meal to the homecoming <laughs> uh, 
basketball team and then gave them all yeah cold mcdonald's on a silver platter yeah, yeah. absolutely his kind of is that yeah he's trying to is it is that because he's trying to be the common man and giving them what they want or he actually is just a common man yeah i mean i've seen it described in, in a palace as that he is the pe- the reason that some poor people kind of respond to him so well is because mm. he the his kind of flaunting of wealth in such a kind of gauche way gives the impression yeah. that he is a person who who was got rich unexpectedly and is still really excited about all the stuff you can do if you're rich it's like he hasn't right. he hasn't got the the wow. class yeah, or the yeah. culture or the upbringing or anything like that he's just got the money yeah yeah and so yeah and in that way so it's like that's what yeah, i would a, be like of... if i was rich i'd buy mcdonald's exactly yeah stuff like that too well i went yeah. to i visit, visited hearst castle on the west coast of california and um that's you know well he's kind of uh citizen kane you know it's william randolph hearst and he is like that he got rich very quickly by being a media mogul and um and it's you can tell he's just bought stuff by the yard you know he bought he's bought italian tapestries and if they're too long he just chops them down a bit to fit in the in yeah. the room or there there was one one ceiling where which he he took from the inside of a monastery in spain and it's beautiful but it's not not long enough for the room so he just <laughs> made a fake bit to go in the end and it's just that kind of yeah it, there was a there was a moment i can recall when there was a documentary about Bruce Forsyth, um, British light entertainer, who and you got to go around his house, and it was the most outrageously <laughs> gaudy 1970s nouveau riche stuff. You know, he had large ceramic Afghan dogs standing in the doorways and gold carpet and things like that. It's it's that you know, and he probably properly was a working class kid. Oh yeah. And you know, made it good, and that's what you do when you make it good. You buy you buy ostentatiously stuff expensive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you kind of go, because I can. <laughs> it's like a dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he is, he is he is like a kid in a candy store, isn't he? Uh, Trump, you know, and that's hence the cotton candy on his head. But the but uh, yeah. So that in a way, I mean, it's a kind of cruel indictment of the taste of those kind of people who think that is tasteful <laughs> that you think well that's what it is to be rich it's not having a yacht in monaco it's not having a you know being, being the, the inheritor of a title or something like that that kind of quiet rich so our third example uh is from a an instagram post actually from a guy called dennis harms which was on a southwestern airlines plane where he found that behind him uh, in coach was yep. uh, Don Jr. And so he took a selfie Blimey. and said, how cool is this? He's travelling from Las Vegas to Phoenix Rally. And Don Jr. replied, uh, like reposted this and put, I'm not an elitist, never have been, never wanted to be, and certainly never tried to get on the BS rubber chicken dinner circuit. I like fishing, hunting, red meat, <laughs> trucks and guns. So... <laughs> The rubber chicken thing is a is a phrase that means the kind of political, like uh, you know, five hundred dollars a plate 
gala right. type thing. I don't know why it's yeah. the rubber chicken thing because it just makes well, it's me a think of chicken. Fuzzy <laughs> it just bear. makes you think of those um, squeaky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yes, that, exactly. Yeah. Yes. This um. Him, yeah, yeah, he's saying, "Oh, yes, I fly coach. I I like fishing, hunting, red meat, trucks, and guns," and that's very much the kind of yeah. the persona that they've tried to craft for themselves, hasn't it? He and he and Eric, yeah, especially. Yeah. It's as much as he could do to not put fishing, yeah, with no G, <laughs> fishing, hunting, trucks red meat, and guns. trucks and guns. It would be good if you actually trucks, trucks. It's and practically guns. a Garth yeah, Brooks yeah. song in there, in just in the. It is. <laughs> right there yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah all all it needs is a, a gal <laughs> and a dog and some beer yeah yeah he didn't mention beer and yeah. some beer <laughs> yeah no no doesn't like beer but yeah <laughs> one journalist pointed out that this uh this plane and in fact southwest airlines did, didn't have a, a first class uh on the plane so he couldn't have flown first class the only Basically, he could. The only way he right. could have got from where he was to the Phoenix Rally without flying coach would have been to go on a private plane, which he could have done. And you know, yeah. hooray for Don Junior that he didn't and flew with with normal <laughs> yeah. humans. But um, normal humans, but yeah, for a while, just to see how it is to be a normal human. Yeah, and then of course he bumps into not normal humans that say, "Look, he's he's an ordinary fella." You know, snap out of it, you fools. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> They're just yeah. like us. Do your research. <laughs> They're just like us. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. Of course, in British politics, our go-to common man of the people, you wouldn't mind drinking and exchanging outmoded, misogynist, risque jokes from the 70s with, is, of course, Nigel Farage, which should, being a proper British cockney geezer, pronounce, be pronounced Farage. To, to rhyme with garage, like the Mitchell brothers' place of work in EastEnders, part Svengali, part harumphing cab driver, Farage has cultivated this persona of an ordinary bloke. He's a bloke who's not afraid to expose the excesses of the fat cats, a bit like, you know, and the metropolitan liberal elite, just like Trump. And he is, like all racists, the ha- happiest when he's pontificating in the pub. So here's a recording of him chortling and that's his other thing he chortles like a bloke does <laughs> and he's in the pub and yeah you know the only problem is he's not being really held to account by the interviewer because the interviewer's from the daily telegraph so yeah so he's chortling about how he got banned from his local got banned from a local because he was mobbed by the press on the day that article 50 which was the article to withdraw from the european union was invoked and it's ahead of the general election that eventually ushered in Boris and his get Brexit done thing. <laughs> you're, you're in a pub. I was enjoying it. And what it was, all the world's media yeah. descended upon the Marcus Agrambi. And yeah. my Union Jack socks on, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, front page of national newspapers, global media was me and the Marcus Agrambi. And I think, you know, they've got to be slightly careful. They've got nervous. You are Mr Brexit. You, know, you may find queasiness in London. Mm. You might find it in Canary I mean, after all, you're earning a million quid a year. You'll be quite slightly queasy, aren't you, about what's going to happen. Um, You may find it in sections of the liberal media. You'll certainly find it in Westminster. You go out into the broader country, is the public queasy about Brexit? No, they're saying, get on with it. So he's kind of saying, actually, you know, this Brexit thing, is it's a people's thing. And, yeah, you know, of course you'll moan about that if you work in the city, earning a million pounds a year, which, incidentally, he used to. 
So and and also note that his local watering hole, the pub, is not the Red Lion or the George Cross or the Steaming Puce Gammon, but it's the Marquis of Granby. <laughs> you know, a proper a proper ordinary pub that people drink in the Marquis of Granby. And see all the clues that he's, he's a complete sham persona and that he isn't one of us and it's a complete construct that they're right there in plain sight. And later on he gets to see a we get to see behind the scenes of the construction of this persona. Um, they're on BBC's Question Time in that same period, as part of the BBC's somewhat clumsily blind adherence to the rules of featuring each party leader, and I think it was blind because Farage only created the Brexit party a few months before in order to ensure more mass media coverage for his petty and somewhat faux-anti-EU, anti-xenophobia, utterly racist, self-aggrandizing drivel. Because his space in the spotlight had gone since Boris had moved the Tories far enough to the right to capture and appease, if you like, the voters from Farage's former UKIP party. So Farage created the Brexit party because he didn't think Brexit would be done, but also to thrust himself back into the limelight. Fortunately, he's disappeared somewhat and he's, you know, he's got fewer listeners and viewers than we have which which is gratifying um but here he is here he is telling us how he's one of us and he understands sacrifice and he's principled and he's altruistic look i gave up a career in business i closed down a company to go and do this i didn't better myself doing it i was actually far worse off doing it and i point this out to you i did not do this to advance my career financially i made a sacrifice to do it because i believe we should be a free country, and I believe that today more strongly than ever before. Giving it all up for us. That's right. He, he had a career in business, and he's earning less money now. You know, he's not in it for the money, not in it for the financial gain. He's sacrificing it because it should be a belief. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, thanks, Nigel. <laughs> That's great. Also, you fucking arrogant sod. You know, it's kind of, yeah, great. You're like one of us. Do you know about business and sacrifice and stuff like that and of course like all good cabbies he talks in matey terms about the much loved nhs we all want a national health service that works i've had more need of it than most people with several disasters in my life and when it comes to emergency care there's nothing better in the world but he's going on actually to talk about how it should be paid for and he adds he adds an appeal to empathy saying well, i'm just like you I've had my own brushes with disaster. You know, what's that? Death, terrible illness, disaster, failure at the ballot box. No, this was him talking about crashing in a microlight aircraft during an election campaign, as we all do. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, just like us. Just like everyone. Just like everyone. <laughs> Unfortunately, he survived. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the cabbie's favourite, he talks about being accused of being racist. So, OK, you'll love this. You'll love this. You'll love this. So I was at the BBC on Sunday morning, left at 10am, and one of the security guys said, there's a protest outside. I said, it's OK, I'm used to that. So I walked out, and there they were, carrying placards, about a dozen of them. Jeremy Corbyn's a racist. Jeremy Corbyn's an anti-Semite. Jeremy Corbyn's a terrorist friend. And I walked past these protesters, and they came up and asked me for selfies with them. All right? I have not had... An accusation like that made for many, many years. Which is equivalent of, I'm not being racialist, but <laughs> mixed in with a little bit of... Uh, but See, I'm the popular one. People want selfies with me. 
I, I'm down with the kids. And also a quick dig at Corbyn in a whataboutism kind of way. And of course, we're on his behalf. We'll gloss over the fact that other people have called in the street have called him scum and thrown milkshakes all over him. So he doesn't, doesn't recall that bit. Um, but this fallacy of the common man, the common bloke, does get countered. His faux persona as uh, as one of us does get called out by some savvy people in the audience to throw back the curtain to reveal the small embittered man operating the controls in the in the same question time. So a member of the audience says this. It really bothers me that you label yourself as unique and different from other politicians because actually you are a man of wealth and privilege. You're a privately educated ex-banker. You boasted that you had received £2 million in taxpayers' money to support you in your role as MEP. And then in 2014, you wrongly didn't declare over £200,000 worth of gifts that you'd received in your role. Now, with a background like that... I'm sorry, sorry, this is is ludicrous. With a background like that, how on earth can you understand what it is like for the 14 million people in this country who are currently living in poverty? I love it when when, uh, the audience members in question time come with the receipts... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they just read the stuff out, and then he goes, "Well, that's ridiculous." Yeah, that comes. And the uh, in the the final clip, there was a the this, there was a program don't know, five years ago, no, three four years ago called Newsoids, which was a kind of the CGI equivalent, the inheritors of the mantle of spitting images satirical political show, and they spotted this, and it and it kind of it opens. It's got Farage backstage preparing to go on and it opens, the little sketch opens with, and if the audience don't like you, it's their fault, remember, Nige? And, and that's where, you know, he's straight there with, well, that's just ludicrous. Well, it isn't. It's not, yeah, it's laughable. It's laughable what you're doing. Yeah, you're right. In that sense, it is ludicrous. And he, and then he goes on actually to, to say to them, look, sweetheart, um, you've come here with, with you and your friends have come here with an agenda, and you go, well, yeah, like you haven't. And you also think, <laughs> well, actually, if you're trying to appeal to, you know, it, it's it's a very select man of the people thing, a bit like Trump. I'm only men with of you people, the people that are like you but disagree with me. I'm not like them. So <laughs> yeah. So the uh, in this sketch, there's a little. They, there's a song and he's backstage getting his character and he's being haunted by his true rich privilege Huguenot descended self here's a clip I'm just an ordinary bloke I like a drink I like a smoke I'm proud to say I'm British through and through I love pie and mash and kippers I watch Top Gear in me slippers I am down to earth like any one of you Ahem. I think foreigners are vermin But hang on, your wife's a German I'm English to the core It's just a show Sod off I'll admit you played a smart game But you've got a foreign surname And your ancestors from France were Huguenot No Yes, no Yes, may we Here You're abusing your position Just like any politician But it seems like no one's noticed Ah, <laughs> Yes. It seems like nobody's noticed. However, well, yeah, there's also, just as a side note, I've noticed that Farage uses look to preface what he's about to say. He goes, look. And it's, and I, why? It's kind of it's something calculatingly matey about that. And annoyingly, I also noticed, I note it whenever Labour's Tony Blair and Ed Miliband and even Tories... Cam, uh, David Cameron want to appear matey and many of the people they all use that they all go look 
da, 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 which is a kind it's it's both hectoring and also kind of matey at the same time um and speaking of david just call me dave like i'm one of you cameron um uh, he spotted the subterfuge in farage back in 2014 after the anti-eu ukip party ironically won seats in the european parliament and irony of ironies to do exactly what Cameron was advocating, which was to remain in and reform the EU and not leave. And at the time, Man of the People Dave said this about Farage. Listening to him on the radio and television for the last few days, it all seems supremely tactical. It's about trying to grow votes in clusters or something in different parts of the country. I don't really accept this thing as a consummate politician. We've seen that with his expenses and his wife on the payroll and everything else. So I don't really accept the he's a normal bloke down the pub thing. And when Mm. David, we're all in this together, Cameron calls you out you kind of go yeah that's and he's spotting it in somebody else saying yeah you're not a normal bloke he's not yeah. a normal bloke down the pub and hot- <laughs> I like it when he says like he's he's a consummate politician with his expensive his new wife on the payroll i should know oh i just know yeah <laughs> exactly it takes I, one to, to spot one exactly. yeah. yeah and you're hectoring of the politicians to <laughs> to subsidise failing investment companies that I have an interest in. Yeah, I should know. She said, I want to look for world fallacies. I want to go wherever the fallacies are. I want to look for wild Pulp there, of course, with common people. The only reasonable choice for this thing this week. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. In fact, the entire episode has been wrapped around that, really. So in The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective, and our first example is from the kind of glory days of Saturday Night Live. Uh, this this was Phil Hartman, uh, the, yeah. the late, great Phil Hartman, uh, doing the unfrozen caveman lawyer sketch. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm just a caveman. I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. Sometimes the honking horns of your traffic make me want to get out of my BMW and run off into the hills or whatever. Sometimes when I get a message on my fax machine, I wonder, did little demons get inside and type it? I don't know. My primitive mind can't grasp these concepts. But there is one thing I do know. When a man, like my client, slips and falls on a sidewalk in front of a public library, then he is entitled to no less than $2 million in compensatory damages and $2 million in punitive damages. I love that. That kind of makes me get out of my BMW. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and this is obviously just a an extension of the trope of uh, you know the simple country lawyer like Matlock. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it was Jimmy Stewart in Anatomy of a Murder was kind of the, one of the first great examples yeah. of uh, you know yeah. I'm just a simple simple man. I'm not a big fancy high priced city lawyer with braces and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. So so it's it's kind of very much trying to get the jury to see like I you know you don't need to be intimidated by me. I'm not some brilliant intelligent uh rich lawyer i'm just a guy like you and in this yeah. case he's kind of going even further and going you know i yeah, i'm scared by yeah, yeah. by thing yeah. <laughs> by your modern yeah. world so so you can trust me when i know this thing about the law because i don't understand anything yeah. so if i can get this that's that's what it's going for and and yeah yeah you know it's the same with with the the simple country hyper chicken in futurama who um yeah it's yeah, yeah it's like i and- i I may not know much, but I know this. And so you can trust me when I say this. <laughs> so our second example is from Scrubs. Uh, this yes. was from season three of Scrubs, where the, uh, the the kind of main characters are all still quite new doctors. And yep. um, JD in this episode has just kind of saved someone's life by beating another yep. doctor to the to the room and, and when, when yep. there was a code going. The large black family of the guy he saved are, are thanking yep. him. Dr. Dorian, you can't imagine how grateful we are. Let me ask you something. Who's the cool doc you call when you want to save your husband, Paul? JD! It's from Shaft? Come on, how could you guys not get that? Yeah, that's our Citizen Kane. Anyway, thanks again. You're a real hero. Oh, please. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you guys. Except after I put my pants on, I save your husband's life. (laughs) So, yeah, that phrase of I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else, is is reasonably common in this kind of scenario where it's like, you know, don't treat me like a hero. Don't treat me as different from you guys. I'm the same. We're all just the same in in certain ways. I just, you know... I just like do this, husband. or I just have way more money than you do, or I just, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. whatever. The thing about the, whatever uh, the difference is that is unspoken. Yeah, yeah. But that's the that's the thing is that the for comedic terms, the the gag is making the fallacy obvious, but yeah. by voicing the bit that is the difference, you know, that makes <laughs> you uncommon. Um, whereas in politics, they just they keep that bit unvoiced, and and yeah. that's. Because if you did that, it would prick the bubble of your. It makes you a kind of. It makes you pompous in a way. Go, yeah, I'm. I'm just like you. Know, I put my pants on one leg at a time, and then, then I, then I save your husband. You know, that's right, because I'm a doctor. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, I'm just like you. My butler helps me put my pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's well, handily enough. That's kind of in the and. I don't know how I happened upon this. Don't ask me. But the 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 tale of the prince and the pauper is pretty much that thing, you know. We and we talked about trading places and all that kind of stuff. It's very similar. But there was a Barbie version, a Barbie three D animated. I know I, you don't have to version. cover. I know you love the Barbie cartoons. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> no. And this bit, there's a bit in it where the they're realizing, you know, they kind of meet. So the, it's the princess and the the porpoise, the princess, the, and the porpoise, porpoise, princess, and the porpoise. She <laughs> tells she, so the porpoise tells Barbie 
This, yeah, if I want eggs, I have to walk a mile, go get them from a chicken, and then, you know, and then I have to eat them cold because I'm not allowed to use the heat, blah, 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 blah. How is it for you? And Barbie says... Well, well, if I want some eggs, I ring the bell, and the maid comes running in, and she serves them on a silver tray, and she brings a cookie tin, and while I eat, she rubs my feet, and strolling minstrels play, but I'd rather be in my library reading science books all day. I'm just like you. You are? You're just like me. There's somewhere else we'd rather be. Somewhere that's ours. Somewhere that dreams come true. Yes, I am a girl like you. It's amazing. Except for our hair. We could be twins. (laughs) (laughs) What about this birthmark? Hmm, no, I guess not. Here, Your Highness. Then, of course, the handsome guy comes out with two drinks and looks at them both and realises they look exactly the same. So there's just... <laughs> it is, it's, you realise that actually Barbie is so not common, not like the other, the porpoise, the pauperess, <laughs> in so many aspects, not least... In her lack of largesse. I mean, the pauper kind of goes, well, you're just like me. No, I'm just like you. You're just like me. Really? How is that then? I have a maid that brings me eggs and a cookie tin and rubs my feet while I eat them. You know, no, she's just saying, you know, in that kind of expansive, let's look behind the the elitism, (laughs) that actually we all want to be somewhere else because Barbie would much rather read her science books. Yeah, right. (laughs) So so she kind of goes, oh, yeah, well, you're just like me. I'd rather be somewhere else. I'd rather not be an unpaid skivvy serving food to the likes of you with your elite ways and the other and yeah and then and then she says but other all in all i'm a girl like you and then barbie rubs it in even more by saying yeah but what about this birthmark like lifts up the sleeve of a gown and on her arm is the perfect birthmark of a crown (laughs) (laughs) and then the pauper then the pauper does does the same mom goes oh no guess not but other than that we're we're like yeah, twins, yeah, <laughs> and it, so it's it sets up the plot for them to swap places. Obviously, blah blah blah, but yeah. you know, and you just think, you just it's it's like Paris Hilton, basically, isn't it? It's kind of I'm just like you. I'm just a kid with a you know, it's a, dad's a billionaire and owns a million hotels, and I've never had to want for anything. But other than that, I'm exactly like you. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. You see, I've, I realise that actually uh, I've been going all, wrong all this time trying to go out on my own. I should just you know, represent everybody else. And just, I'm just like you. I'm just giving it a go. One shot at a time, you know, and I can feel you rooting for me. So, so thanks, everybody. I hope I do you proud. Yeah, we do occasionally get people getting in touch with us and saying, Come commiserating on, with me. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get anybody doing that. We get people no. going, 
Yeah, one day you'll get on with it. What's the matter with you? I've got them all right so far. You know, they can see clear. Well, you know, obviously they got the hindsight of, of skipping forward a bit, <laughs> listening to the, and then coming back and listening to mm. them and going, oh yeah, no, that's that's clearly the one, that one. You know, and then taking yeah. me to task. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our theme this week is yeah. uh, Trump's reactions to sports teams with problematic mascots or symbols changing their names. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. like it. Much like the Confederate military bases, which uh, yeah. tried to yeah. tried to take the names of enemies of the United States off their bases, and he was like, "No, not having that." Don't do that. Yeah, and it's all there's kind of the current furore in um the sleepy Cotswold village where they've got the they've got a the it's called the Black Boy Pub and the pub's going going I think we ought to change that, you know. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. And the the MP is up in arms. And you go mm. what what? You know, yeah. So okay. uh the first yeah. statement, this was when the Cleveland Indians decided to change their name. Um, he says, if I were an Indian, I'd sue. Sue them, Indians. What could be better? Especially if you have a good team. It's one of the greatest names, one of the most incredible logos. People loved it. They are going absolutely crazy in Ohio over the name change. Cleveland Guardians? What's all that about? <laughs> Brilliant. And and he's just so, he's so culturally deaf that actually <laughs> saying, if I were an Indian, I'd sue. Yeah. You know, the, mm. Yeah. The, yeah. Mm. <laughs> And they, yeah, pop, yeah, yeah, and and well, that's on one level, and on the, uh-huh. on the other level, it's a lovely logo, yeah, <laughs> a, a, a completely demolished, ousted, and marginalised people, yeah. Well, yeah. that's a logo. People love it. Yeah. A statement number two. Mm-hmm. Now I hear the Chiefs are looking at changing their name. Everyone in the great state of Kansas, great people, they are, it's true, are furious and hugely insulted, and so are all the Indians I know. Nobody wants this except the radical left, who will stop at nothing. How many Indians does he know? (laughs) Exactly. Statement number three. Okay. 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 Yeah. And this, this one was a tweet. Uh, he says, yep. they name teams out of strength, not weakness. But now the Washington Redskins and Cleveland Indians, two fabled sports franchises, look like they're going to be changing their names in order to be politically correct. Indians, like Elizabeth Warren, must be very angry right now. <sighs> yeah. You see, that it's, <laughs> it's just, he's just a crazy old fucker, isn't he? God damn it. Okay, all I can think about is Indian motorcycles, and they had, they've got they sort of kind of going. Mm, maybe we should change that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I I really do want to hear him say Indian and Sue in the same sentence. Okay. Greatest name, incredible logos. People loved it. Mm. Uh, okay, great state of Kansas. They are. It's true. Great state of Kansas. Well, there's a gap there. People in Kansas, where is he? Kansas, it could be. Everyone in the great state of Kansas, ah, great people, ah, they are, it's true. Ah, yeah. So that sounds live and real. Does he know the word radical? <laughs> okay. Nineties out of strength, that sounds like him as well. <sighs> but I want number one to be real. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, I think think then that 
I can't convince my strength as well. Right. For all the wrong reasons, I'm going to go for the, the number two is the one you made up. Okay. So of the other two, which are yep. you more convinced by? It's again, the wrong reason, because I just wanted to hear him say it. I think number one okay. is, is, I don't know about convinced, <laughs> to hear, more like. Yeah. So uh, number one, number one is, is real. Such as if I were an Indian, I'd sue. Sue them, Indians. I mean, what could be better? You know, they, especially if you have a good team, the Cleveland Indians, it's one of the greatest names, one of the most incredible logos. People loved it. They are going absolutely crazy in Ohio over the name change. The Cleveland Guardians? What's that all about? Yep. Sue them, Indians. Yes, yeah, sue them, Indians. <laughs> well, on, I mean, apart from anything else, on what grounds? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, sue them over the the ancient theft of ancestral land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The number but... of times that Trump has been sued, you would think he would have some understanding of the process, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. requirement for standing some... In a court of law. You know. <laughs> yeah, to yeah. a certain extent, <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he threatened to he threatens to sue people, and that seems to work. <laughs> I don't know whether it, you know, I'm not going to pay you, and if you demand money, I will sue you. Do they then stop demanding it, or do they just sue him? And so he's got a well. We I mean, he's got, he's got a got lawsuits. Tra- tragic uh, lo- win rate, <laughs> an amazing loss rate in court. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, but are there also my other question is, are there any actual Native American Indians in the Ohio, in the Cleveland team. Oh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> so, so, so it's yeah, it's clearly. I mean, just exploitation. That was never part of the name. That was no. never part of the reason for the name. No, let's it just was, count how many yeah. people. How many we we've got in here? <laughs> what nationality are we? Well, there's only th- there's three Americans, three people from Ohio, and you guys are all Native American Indian. Well, we just, well that's what we call ourselves then. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that'll be it. Yeah, the Cleveland Indians, because there are so few of them <laughs> that actually that's going to be quite a unique selling point. They will just have the, the Cleveland Indians. And people go, you've got Indians in Cleveland? Yeah, and they're all in our team. That, But no, none of that just makes no sense at all. No. So you might as well change it. It's not going to make any difference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so uh, num- number three. Yeah, so you also think that number three is real and number three yeah. is yeah. real. Oh. I can't play it because it's a tweet. Yeah. But, um, but it, Blimey. Yeah, it, is, it is a real tweet. Uh, wow! And yeah, he did. He did invoke the Elizabeth Warren thing at the what end. There again. What the hell? And they um, must be Indians like Elizabeth Warren must be very right, angry right now. <laughs> but, 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 but yeah. why? Much Is like it... they were when you were calling her Pocahontas. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what he's saying. It's probably. Is it not contemporary with that? You know. To, yeah, Elizabeth Warren seems to be really angry, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Why. It was. It was yeah. This was a little bit further back. Right. This was when he had Twitter. So. Oh, oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Oh, so, yay. so that means I did make up the uh, the Chiefs. Uh, in it's fact, I don't even think one. the Chiefs are 
how I think they've looked at changing their name, but I don't think they ought to plan. It was a good, to. good but, set. Um, yeah, yeah, but he did uh, the part of the thing that I based that on. Yeah. Uh, where he's saying the great state of Kansas was was after the Super Bowl last year, right? Uh, yeah. When he said um, that because the Chiefs won, uh, and he said that everyone in the great state of Kansas was was you know very happy, and and the Chiefs, mm-hmm. they're Kansas City Chiefs from Missouri, right? <laughs> so they are they aren't from the state of Kansas. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't think we're Kansas anymore. But, uh, but yeah, he didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, hey. So which means oh, yeah. that you are now on. Uh, 34 out of 71. Fantastic. Uh, which is, I think, back to back to 48%. Brilliant. You see, people, so. I did it. Thank you. I'm just just like you. I'm you know, one game at a time. I, I <laughs> put my brain in gear one leg at a time, just like you guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Ivermectin is not a logical fallacy, because uh, we we talked about this briefly That's in the last quite, episode. Yeah, uh, about the, the the horse paste. It's not made from horses. It's paste. It's paste they put on horses. <laughs> yeah, it's not made. It's of, not horse no. paste. It's not paste made of horses. <laughs> <laughs> it's an antiparasitic drug um, that in humans is used for uh, people who have head lice or or various other parasites and right. it's also used in it's used for sheep uh, as like as a deworming um treatment and for yep. horses and cattle um and the reason that that was important was because people were struggling to get it from their doctors as a covid treatment and so were going to farm supply stores to get the horse version <laughs> okay yeah yeah which i imagine because you know five times the size when yeah. somebody says horse pills, it's always that well, kind of comedic yeah. prop tablet that's the size of your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, I mean, the sheep uh, version, which is called Sheep Drench, is uh, it comes in these giant kind of gallon tubs. So, <laughs> <laughs> Are you supposed to swim in it? Or what, you know? Or is it I you know, like, I a, like a light? It's you know, to like be in, a healing ingested. Thing? Ingested? Um, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, okay. uh, yeah. this, this is about <laughs> what we're talking about today is about yeah. the study that um, right. originally led people to believe that this was a good thing to do. This is the one. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was there was actually one previous study that came out that was then uh, withdrawn. But the main one that people still point to um, was mm. a study by a guy called Ahmed Elgazar from Benha University in Egypt. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, or at least it claimed to be, a randomised control trial. The, they claimed it was blinded. And it showed significant uh, improvement and reduction in mortality rate in um, groups treated by with ivermectin uh, by, by up to 90% reduction in mortality. Um, and it was, it was published right. on a website as a preprint. So it wasn't... Right. Uh, th- this was before it had been submitted to peer-reviewed journals. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, but but still, it was kind of they they were publishing their uh, findings and the data sets and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And ninety yep. percent—that's um, the same kind of effectiveness as the vaccines. Absolutely. Yeah. In, um, in so it was significant you know, on the face in of terms it? of yep. in yep. terms of what um, what effect 
it, it yeah. they claimed it had. And basically, that was largely kind of accepted by the medical community in terms of, okay, this is interesting. We should do more studies. We shouldn't just assume yeah, look at this, this is... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we should wait for it to be published, Bullshit. wait for it yeah. to, to, to yeah. be peer-reviewed. But but it, what an interesting opening results that, the, that these people have come up with. And a medical student mm-hmm. called Jack Lawrence in London... Uh, was was given this paper to read kind of as part of his study and he actually read it like in detail and thought well this yeah. seems Doesn't a little bit up. too good to be true and a lot of these things don't right. make sense and just some of the kind of most right. obvious things that didn't make sense the people in the study were split up into groups of 100 it was both prophylaxis and treatment of covid um, and so they had right. 400 people that were um, kind of diagnosed with COVID, 200 of which had kind of mild or moderate symptoms and 200 had more severe symptoms. And they were each split up into 100 each and given uh, one of those groups was given hydroxychloroquine and one of the groups yep. was given ivermectin. Um, and the other right. 200 were people who were kind of carers um, and people who were coming into contact with people who might have COVID and they were given a kind of prophylactic dose. Right, um, yeah. And so one of the first things that stood out was the fact that these were such neat groups, that it was they, mm. they had six groups, each of which had exactly 100 people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, yeah. they all kind of fit the same criteria, those 100 people. And they were um, kind of followed through to the end of the study. So normally you'd have kind of similar groups or similarly sized groups ideally if you've done good weighting and done good in, you know yeah. good uh, collection of people um but some people are going to drop out for various reasons over the course of the study you're not going to end up with exactly the same across six groups in, in um, all of the of, groups yeah. yeah yeah um so it kind of started to ring alarm bells and he sent uh, Jack Lawrence sent the study to a few people, one of whom was a guy called Nick Brown, who is a uh, basically he kind of looks at numbers. In he's a, a, a for, his speciality is forensic numerical data analysis. Um, nice. And so yeah. he he looked at the numbers in the data set from a from the point yeah. of view of what kind of things would we expect to see in a standard trial in a kind of in a randomized control trial, particularly uh, things like that. And yep. um, he he wrote a very very detailed article about right. all of or some of the problems I guess that he found or the the mm. major problems that he found, which included, I mean, things that made it implausible that these results were real. Um, right. One of the okay. things that yeah. that he found was that uh, a lot of the data sets. Um, the kind of the, the individual patients had clearly been cloned um, from one part oh, of no. the, right. um, the, right. the data set to another. So there was like a group so of they got 18 changed cells. The names or something? Yeah, well, they're, they're obviously not identified, but they're they're numbered yep. and they have um, like information about their the extent of the illness and, and so on. And, and and he found groups of kind of twenty three rows of cells that were identical right. to 23 rows of cells further down the, the list where it had obviously right. just been you know they were like we don't have that many people cut and paste this group yeah um including yeah. typos 
So there was like cough oh, was written C O G U H um uh, for yeah. for several of the and people got, and, and it was the same copied as well. replicated. Oh uh, yeah. no, yeah. That's um and so make you question that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so he split these up into kind of which bits had been replicated and, and made a little diagram. And and there were literally kind of 12 or so sections where there were 10 or more cells with the same data wow. that had been clearly pasted from one place to another. And and the randomization that that was supposedly used um he ran study he ran kind of statistical analyses on the mm-hmm. numbers based on a thing we've talked about before which is called Benford's law which was oh, yeah. um some someone was trying to use Benford's law to prove that the um, people who had voted for Biden or Trump were statistically impossible, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they'd yep. done it wrong because what Benford's law yes. does is it shows what, um, in a given population size, what numbers you would expect to see um, for the for the trailing digit. Uh, or for the first for the kind of tens column digit yeah. if yeah. um if these numbers are truly random and and what would your distribution be expected to be given your kind of population size um and yeah. and what they and and for trailing digits if assuming like all your numbers are above 10 if your numbers are really random you'd expect to see your trailing digits all be roughly the same mm-hmm. um and uh, if there's a certain amount of ra- uh, rounding, then you might expect to see a few more zeros than the other numbers. But basically, you should be seeing numbers that are that are largely the same. And what he found yep. was um, that there were large groups of these sets of data where the kind of the trailing digit, the the ones, the units, was uh, was in the first um, half of that, like one to five. Uh, and it's right. like eighty percent of them were one to five, and twenty percent were six to to zero, um, and and other large groups mm-hmm. where there wasn't a single two and things like that. And and he basically right. said yeah. this is this is ex- exactly what you'd expect to find if someone was trying to make it look random, make it look like because people yeah, are yeah. terrible at that. Humans at doing random, uh, making yeah, when, things when really they're putting random. in data yeah. that they think, oh yeah, this oh, I haven't had a three in a while. I'll put that in. It's yeah, they are they're really really bad at that. yeah 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 more problems that the original uh, medical student found Jack Lawrence he found that the mm-hmm. the introduction to the study had been plagiarized from from other studies he basically just got chunks of the text from the introdu- introduction pasted it into Google and found other studies that had the exact same text um, he found wow. that um, although they they uh, claimed that they'd started doing the study um, on a particular date. Uh, actually, a big chunk of of the people that they were looking at had died before that date. The like of, of <laughs> like forty percent of the people who had died during the study actually died before they claimed the study started. Um, they uh, right. They originally right. claimed that their participants were between eighteen and eighty, um, but then but they also had like birth dates, and and several of them were under eighteen. Um. And it was just this. All of these things uh, were indications that the, the 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 data that they were claiming they they had they were looking at, um, you know, actual real groups of existing people and writing down stuff about them, 
it it really makes it look like none of these people ever existed and it's just data that they made up as an example of one of the kind of statistical things that that looked yeah. odd is is the distribution of patient ages so in out of the 600 patients um there were yeah. for example 34 aged 48 but only 3 aged 50 so that's kind of oh. unlikely okay. that, that that it wouldn't be more evenly spaced but even yeah. more than yeah. that out of um out of 600 patients 410 had an age that was an even number of years compared to 190 well, that's an odd number of years um right. that's that's significantly off <clears throat> over that yeah. that number yeah. of people it's not a, it's it's i mean it's a smallish sample size for a study but but like if yeah. you flip a coin 600 times you're going to get pretty close yeah. to 300 heads and 300 tails it's not going to be exact yeah yeah but 400 yeah. of one of them and um I mean that's just that's binomial probability because there's only two options, um, yeah. and uh, the the guy Nick Brown uh, said if you basically plug that kind of binomial probability into a into a function, you get the the prob the probability that that is happening by chance is something yeah. like one in a quadrillion. It wow. is. It is extremely <laughs> small chance, and yeah, that unlikely. that's yeah. that's yeah. for the probability of three hundred and ninety nine out of six hundred um the yeah. the real number was four hundred and ten, but above four hundred it the the thing he was using can't represent how small the chances of that happening are <laughs> <laughs> so. wow, he hasn't got the infinite improbability yeah. drive that to yeah. to uh to do it on. Wow. So basically, anyone who is pushing ivermectin is pointing to this study, um, right? And yep. and it is um, it's plagiarized. It uses almost certainly made up data, definitely <laughs> cloned and copied data. So even if you took out if you if you took out all the clones, how many does that leave behind? So it actually becomes a tiny. Well, the it's interesting thing is it's, it's kind the of groups. they've cloned different parts of the data across different parts of the right. the patient uh, population. So it's not like yeah. one uh, kind of all of the columns for each, uh, for each patient have been copied, have, yeah. have been replicated. They've just been randomly yeah, it's, it's shoved in. exactly what you'd expect if someone was trying to make it look like they had more data than they have without yeah. making it too obvious. Yeah. But They've, and, yeah, and in fact, in places, use the same stuff and repeat bits of it elsewhere. Yeah, in places there are large sections which are repeated, with a couple of cells which have been altered by a, a digit or two, here and there. Right. Uh, which which yeah. makes it even more looking like it's you know someone has deliberately gone in and tried to make it look a bit less obvious what they've done. But it feels like what you do on a film set, doesn't it? You kind of go, you want, you, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dip, you, I want no you one's going to look at this. It just needs to look like data. Exactly. It just yeah. needs to look like data. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when yeah. we flip through it as we pan across, it, it looks convincing. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, they've um, one of the other things that Nick Brown found was that in a lot of cases in uh, like cells have been formatted incorrectly so instead of a zero there's a lowercase o and things what? where yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's you know commas have been used instead of decimal places and so the yeah. the formatting of the cell is different because because in excel uh, numbers default yeah. over to the right hand side of the cell and text defaults over to the left yeah um but to make yeah. it look 
the same they've kind of used spaces and things to to move the to push it over yeah to push it over and, wow. and that kind of thing means yeah, yeah. that um they couldn't possibly have used this data this this spreadsheet to do any calculations to do any formulas because it would have thrown up yes. all kinds of errors because yes, because yes. a lot of yep. the numbers in there aren't even numbers numbers <laughs> yeah so yeah um this this is a yeah. it's so obviously not a real study um and it's a bit scary <laughs> yeah. that it was it was accepted as such and it and you know it took a random medical student a couple of hours of looking at it to go hmm something's weird here Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah that's not a naught that's an o yeah yeah or there are too many they too many there's not enough 50 year olds yeah yeah but what this chances of that oh, this is work it out. this yeah. is dramatically skewing any kind of meta-analysis that is being done about ivermectin yeah where where there are smaller yeah. studies and this one this is the one that's pushing it over the boundary of yeah. yes, it looks like it's worth studying. If you take this out, right, it very much falls there, back nothing. onto the side of yeah, there's really no effect um, or nothing, you know, nothing statistically wow. significant. So, so it makes you actually think. Well, what's the what's the impetus for this study? Is you know, have they got shares in ivermectin? Is that the yeah, the good question. Who are making the study? Um, you know, I mean, why, it's why yeah. why make it? That hasn't been answered. Yeah, why go or, to that? I don't even yeah. know if it's been <laughs> yeah. asked yet. Why, but um, why go to that extent to make this look like that? Yeah, it's. I mean, it hasn't been um, published anywhere, like in a peer-reviewed paper, and yeah. it, and it certainly won't be now. Exactly. But as uh, there's, we yeah. don't know and if it's, it's disappeared. Been submitted. Off the, um, yeah, they've removed it. The yeah. the um the site uh, research square research square yeah the, the uh, research square has square, yeah. has has removed it right and, now yeah it says we through uh, this reprint due to an expression of concern communicated directly to our staff these concerns are now under formal investigation yeah um so they're going to be yeah. looking at it and uh, you know it was things. it was up yeah. um but it was up for a while it was up they, it was uploaded November of 2020 and um yeah. it was only in June uh July of this year that that they started yeah. Yeah. kind of questioning it Looking which it going wait a minute yeah yeah i mean was it ever submitted to peer review to like well we don't know or... we d- we don't um, right. cuz they don't they don't publish lists of things they have decided not to publish so publish so yeah. yeah we don't know yeah uh we don't know if it's been if they tried to get it into some peer review journals and couldn't but it certainly hasn't mm-hmm. been published anywhere um so wow that's yeah that's <laughs> that is that's kind of frightening because you know some um anti-vax anti-vaxxers known by me are uh quite over the moon about I- ivermectin They're yeah kind of going oh well I'll, I'll get that you know, and you think, well, how much is that costing? And <laughs> and they and there's been a resistance to my questions about, well, where is that study? What's this based on? And just because a, a particular, well-regarded in that community practitioner has said, oh yeah, you should look at this. This is the thing. That's you know, that's just an appeal to authority. Yeah, kind of thing. Because he's wearing a white coat and he goes. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know the mainstream media are trying to do this down, 
So it feeds into. Yeah, it's just it's just because it's not that sliding mainstream. scale. That's the weird thing. Yeah. I think yeah. it was No Illusions yeah, yeah. on uh, Scathing Atheist who said recently that what we need is a, yeah. is a COVID cure that uh, or a vaccine even that is called the cure that doctors don't want you to know about, and then people exactly. take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. quite. Yeah, yes, exactly. And that kind of. Uh, and that's all it needs, really, isn't it? It's yeah. the or if you put some flowers on it and say, you know, nature's own remedy, <laughs> that would be it, you know, because nature's been doing it for years and years and years. I love we've we talked about that often in the past, and we can go, yeah, nature also invented smallpox and measles, mumps, and rubella. Yeah, you know, you can gargle horse paste all you like. It's not going to fix anything. No. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Lumpy pillow salesman and less sexy Ron Jeremy, Mike Lindell, held his cyber symposium from August 10th to 12th, based on the belief that Trump would somehow magically be reinstated on August 13th. I've been a bit busy, to be honest. I haven't really been paying attention to the news lately, but I don't think that happened. I feel I would have heard about that. Um, Anyway, Mike was given a Trump-signed MAGA hat by the president of Brazil son, Edward Bolsonaro. The event lasted 72 hours and a good chunk of that was Lindell trying to pronounce Bolsonaro. Other large sections of time were taken up by replaying the same conspiracy-filled documentary up to four times a day, which suggests to me he thought there'd be more questions after he presented his evidence. Like, he booked the room for 72 straight hours, but nobody had any follow-up questions for his obvious lies. So, show a movie? (laughs) Mike offered $5 million to anyone who could prove his evidence was false. And when one cybersecurity expert pointed out that packet captures are in binary and whatever data he had was in hexadecimal, so definitely wasn't what he claimed it was, Mike withdrew the offer prize money. I like to think he's still sitting there genuinely shocked that it didn't work. I once went to Seville in Spain during an Easter break and found myself unintentionally caught up in the Semana Santa Holy Week parades gathered throngs of hooded men representing artisan guilds and women in widow's weeds thronged the street and happily scooped me along as we followed effigies of the Virgin and Christ around the narrow streets towards the cathedral. A magical, peaceful, friendly accident. This is pretty much what MAGA hat-wearing capital building rioter Robert Reader is using as his defence. Well, apart from the happy, peaceful, friendly bit... A good, honest Democrat supporter, it turns out, well, so he says, he heard that this might be Trump's last speech and so just happened along because he had nothing better to do. Mm, Way to carve yourself into history, Donnie. And before you know it, Your Honour, my client was an accidental tourist caught up with people whose view he abhors and just like any inquisitive tourist shouting fight for Trump, he accidentally breached the Capitol building twice boasted that he battled the police and witnessed an officer being assaulted. Not my client. He didn't care much for Trump and supported strongly the other guy, the opponent. Yeah, him, that one, Bernie, something or other. Of course, like all good modern tourists, he filmed himself doing all these things he said he didn't do and probably now faces a six-month jail term. As Shaggy once said, Zoink, Scoob! No, it wasn't me. And we didn't believe him either. In case you didn't see it, things have kicked off in Afghanistan. 
The Taliban took over basically the whole country in 11 days, and of course Republicans are blaming Biden, conveniently ignoring the fact that Trump initiated the U.S. withdrawal, saying in June... I started the process, all the troops are coming back home, they couldn't stop the process. 21 years is enough, don't we think? 21 years. They couldn't stop the process. They wanted to, but... It was very tough to stop the process. So he boasted less than two months ago that he'd made it basically impossible for Biden to stop. He praised Biden's decision to move ahead with the withdrawal at the time. He negotiated the release of over 5,000 Taliban fighters, including Taliban leader Mullah Baradar, and touted a historic peace agreement with the Taliban, which the RNC have deleted from their website this week, and is now calling for Biden's impeachment because it turns out withdrawing has consequences. The weird thing is, in the fight to blame either Biden or Trump, George W is getting away with murder. Quite literally. A touchstone, lodestar, if you will, of dystopian imagery is Orwell's 1984, an indictment of our post-war government's coercion, as he saw it, of the public to go along with the building of their new vision for Britain. It remains a warning from history of the possibility of future totalitarianism. Referenced by skilled orators, this could throw into sharp relief the power of the media in the hands of a malicious administration. In the hands of Republican Representative Madison Cawthorn, it makes the GOP stock marked laughing again. It seems to be a trope trotted out by increasingly incompetent communicators attempting to do down the opposition. Don Jr. and Lauren Boba have already had a go this year, claiming an Orwellian lack of free speech, or that the only thing George got wrong was the date. Madison's somewhat lamer contribution was to effectively file a book report like the kid who didn't do the reading assignment. Stood in front of the classroom represented by the whole of Twitter, he blurted, 1984 is a great fiction novel to read, but it seems like it is becoming the reality we are currently living under more and more each day. Hmm. And Twitter laughed in his face, remarking such things as fiction novel... And I recall going to see the movie film at the local cinema picture house and then driving my automobile car to my house home afterwards. Damn, these guys are good at the comms talking speech. (laughs) When your own party's ex-president doesn't even know which way up to hold grasp a Bible scripture in front of a chapel church, it's a wonder any of them can read at all, let alone actually a whole entire story novel fiction tale. (laughs) James O'Keefe, the right-wing activist behind ironically named Project Veritas, is taking a break from misleadingly editing videos to star in a stage production of Oklahoma in Florida, alongside a cast of actors he claims are all cancelled artists, in an attempt to raise awareness about the effect cancel culture is having on the arts. True to form, this is bullshit, and as soon as Gorka started looking into it, several cast members said they hadn't been cancelled at all for anything, while another talked about people trying to get her fired for being racist but not succeeding. Meanwhile, Brian Cloudus, the show's producer, had been running his own production company for a year before accusations were made at his previous job about him being racist and harassing cast and crew members, so not cancelled then. I guess billing it as a musical from a cast and crew of racist assholes who harass people doesn't quite sell as well. Although it is Florida, so who knows? Just when we thought QAnoners could get no more crazy, do become a patron of the show and listen to us going through the invitation to the Great Awakening mad box of frogs that they are frustrated at the vacuum left by Ron Watkins as Q, so the Anonas are looking to the secret Queen of Canada. She isn't. Self-proclaimed HRH, Queen Lady Romana Digilo, did you though? She apparently replaced Queen Elizabeth, She didn't, after she was executed for crimes against humanity. She wasn't. But go no further. 
That's all the qualifications you need to be followed by QAnoners who then go and harass US clinics and Walmart through the mail, holding them accountable for war crimes. Well, you know, because COVID. Apparently, these heinous clinic criminals are violating various bits of the Nuremberg Code, the Geneva Convention, the United Nations Convention in getting people to wear masks, get vaccinated and generally care about one another. All make sense? No. Good. Because that's how you know you are sane. One QAnon seems to be making it back from the dark side, though. I can get the word out about this and I can get a lot of people to do this, wrote one fan. But I need some proof that the military is going to back this up. Give me some actual evidence that this will do something and I will blast it all over the Internet. Blimey, you're going to get excommunicated talking like that, you heretic. In just a few days after school started in Florida, there are over 1,800 confirmed COVID cases in a single school district and 10,000 students and staff are quarantined, leading that district, Hillsborough, and also Miami-Dade to hold emergency meetings and vote to defy Governor Ron DeSantis's anti-mask mandate. DeSantis will now no doubt explore whether he gets to withhold the school board's salary or whether slavery might be illegal. Meanwhile, in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, who is trying to out-stupid DeSantis on mask mandates despite currently having COVID himself, is being schooled by the Paris Independent School District, who found a loophole, and have simply added masks to their dress code. Hey, maybe there's hope for an American education system after all. In the utter Brit show that is tiny-minded diminished shitten this week, whilst Afghanistan fell to the Taliban... Dominic Raab, Foreign Secretary in the mould of the previous holder of the post, Boris Johnson, couldn't be asked to speak to representatives in Afghanistan who called for the UK help in evacuating local people who had worked for the British Army's interpreters for the entirety of the 20 years they'd been there. No, because he was far too busy sunning himself on the beach in Crete as the airlifting of hundreds of Afghans was underway. But it's all right, because one phone call wouldn't have made any difference, said Defence Secretary Ben Wallace. Well, no, you're right because it would mean nothing coming from the upholder of the UK's inward-looking xenophobic foreign policy. Speaking of which, Pretty Patel was wary of making too much noise about how much help we were giving to any Afghans fleeing for their lives and seeking asylum here for fear it might send the wrong message to other refugees. Brexit was hailed as giving us the chance to be a more globally active and respective country. Yeah. How's that going? When even Theresa May, who fucked it up completely when in power by making Boris Johnson foreign secretary, tells the government to its face how much they fucked it up. The problem's not Brexit, though. It's the bunch of power-crazed, self-obsessed hoorays who are only in it for a fast buck for themselves and their mates and have no idea what it is to be actually responsible for anyone else anywhere outside of their seniors' common room. The only thing we learn from history is that we never learn from history. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our strawman level patrons Max Beaver, Kaz Tui, Steve Bickell, Smoots, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan and our top two Scotsman-level patron, Lauren. Thank you so much, everyone. We really do appreciate your support. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.